0: Well, uh, hello. Um, if we've never met before, my name is Gavin, and uh, I am so excited to be back at RCC. Um, I, I'm a guest here, and uh, so if you're a guest, um, congratulations—they're not making you speak today, so that's a, a win for you. Um, hey, uh, I, it is so fun to be here. I know some of you are at Bluntstown, and uh, Chipley and Mariana, and then huge shout out to Wakala, man—that's so cool. That uh, fourth campus. I—I uh, I told Paul that like every time I come, you guys are like birthing something new, a new campus. So um, you know, if I come back a few more times, you guys will have like 14 kids. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. So, so way to go. Um, hey, Paul, Paul uh, I know walked you guys through kind of what you're doing there, and um, but he won't say this because he's too humble, but I, I should tell you that um, you guys are doing amazing work and you have an amazing leader in Paul, but an incredible staff as well. Uh, and for all of you who are giving and serving, uh, and especially those of you who are doing it sacrificially and really kind of moving RCC forward, you should know that you're moving just, uh, more than just RCC forward because uh, there are people all around the country who are very intrigued by what you're doing and they are paying attention. And the reason I know that is because every time I go somewhere and and people ask me where else I speak or what else I do and uh, when I mention Riverdale Community Church, there are people who have heard from you all over the world uh, and they are paying attention to what you're doing because by you creating multiple churches, multiple campuses in areas like that you're doing it in, it's just a unique opportunity that presents unique challenges and you're figuring it out. And what's so cool is that as you figure it out, other people are learning from you guys and they are copying what you're doing all over the country. So Paul won't tell you that, he's too humble, but way to go. It is an incredible thing that you're doing. And uh, man, I'm just glad that every once in a while I get to be here and, uh, and talk for a few minutes. So, hey, we're, we're beginning this brand new series called Fully Alive. And it's a perfect series for you to be here because if you are alive, it's for you. So um, And most of you look that way, so way to go. Um, uh, it, it is gonna be really fun. Today we're gonna uh, kind of begin the... The, the message series, we're going to lay the foundation kind of for where we're going. Um, today's important because, again, it's an introduction, but if you don't kind of figure out what to do with what we say today, um, the rest of the series, and honestly, the rest of your life, uh, you're going to find yourself chasing something that you'll never be able to actually grab a hold of uh, unless unless you begin to figure out what to do with what we talk about today. So, uh, I mentioned if you're alive, this series is for you, and that's true because what we're really talking about in this series. We'll just say, um, we'll call it Our Life. It's really what this whole thing is about. And I know that life is really complex and complicated, and none of our lives are simple enough to be put just on a whiteboard. But but we're going to do that because we can, and we have one. So if you think about your life for a minute, and I know this is way more simple than it it really should feel or, or really is for you. But if you think about your life... And maybe it's on a scale of, one, of zero to 10. You think about your life. And if a, a, a zero life is everything is terrible, nothing is good, no part of your life is good, uh, you could literally trade your life with anybody else's life. It doesn't even matter whether you've met them or not, and it would be an upgrade. Okay, like that's how bad things are. That's a zero, all right? And then on the other side is a 10. Your life is so great that you are envious of yourself. I mean, it is so good. Everybody sees you and wants to be you. Everybody wants to be around you. Like, I mean, everything you touch just turns to gold. You have 34 Porsches. I mean, it's just incredible, okay? Zero to 10, zero to 10. Where would you say, not out loud, just to yourself, where would you say that you are right now? Like, where would you place your life on the number line of life? everybody got their number? Don't yell it out. Okay. Let me let me tell you where I would say I right now today I would say I'm about uh, an eight, which is, I feel pretty good about that. An eight, eight's not too bad. Um, there's a lot of things in my life that are pretty good right now. Um, the new year is here. I love the new year. Um, I, I don't really do much with the new year. I, I don't really get more healthy or anything, but, but I like the fact that I could because it's the new year. That makes me feel good about life. Um, I like that. Um, I, I did make one resolution and I've already failed at it. So, you know, we're down here somewhere. Um, you know, recently um, my minivan died which is kind of a problem because my car died, right? But, but it was a minivan. And so like, I feel better because it died. Um, I, I have, I have I, in fact, when our minivan died recently, this is great, I, um, I have a friend who, who owns kind of a dealership up in, kind of near where I live in Atlanta. And so I took the van to him and I said, what do you think you can do with it? And he said, nothing. And I was like, well, okay, that's good. So I don't have to get another minivan. That's a good thing. He said, let me give you a car for a week to drive around while we figure out you know, what's wrong. So he gave me a Jeep Wrangler to drive around, a four by four. Anybody have any Jeeps? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, have you seen the people who drive around in Jeeps? You know how they wave at each other? Have you seen this? They're like way cooler than the rest of us, right? Like they're definitely cooler than the minivan people. So um, I, I never had driven a Jeep, but I've always kind of wanted to wave at people like that. So for a week, I drove everywhere I could drive in that Jeep and I'm waving at everybody. Like I'm pretending like I'm really, a jeep, and I'm not, I'm poser the whole time, but I'm like, what's up Jeep people? So for about a week, I got to do that, which was awesome. And then, um, and then I got the minivan back. So... But then he told me that I couldn't drive it anymore because it would never be repaired. So that was good. And then I got a forerunner, so feels pretty good. Um, I, I said I had four kids, like that's kind of exciting, um, but, but, but three of them are teenagers. So <laughs> we're, we're down here somewhere. Um, so, but one's about to graduate and go to college. So Bo, oh, I got to pay for it, then we're down here. So anyway, all right, so you, you kind of see how this works. Now, when you thought about your life, right? You know where you are on the number line. Quick question, raise your hand, don't yell out anything, just raise your hand. How many of you are anywhere less than a full 10 out of 10? Quick, just raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you are either lying in church, which is a problem because God's watching, or or we hate you, one of the two. Okay, so if you're less than a 10 out of 10, what we're going to talk about today is definitely for you. And if you are a 10 out of 10, what we're going to talk about is for you too, because you don't want to lose where you are. Now, if, if we wanted to, we could label kind of this, this, this board, we could label the number line. We're going to call this side fully alive. And that's really where we want to be. We we all would love to be 10 out of 10. We all would love in time to figure out how to be fully alive, which means on this side, we could also label this. We're going to call that fully dead. Um, you, you're not physically, but close, um, but but it feels fully dead like everything is so bad you almost wish you were just dead that's how it feels and of course this big middle area we actually can can label that too we're going to call that partially dead partially dead now we we could call that partially alive but i mean you, you know when when things aren't going really well and you're kind of a four out of 10. You don't say, man, I just feel partially alive. That's not how you feel. You, you actually feel kind of partially dead. So here, here's the question. Um, and this is kind of where we're, we're going for the whole series. And, and so if this is of any interest to you, the next three weeks are going to be really helpful, I hope. Um, if, if it's possible to live fully alive, like if fully alive, were fully available, why would we choose or settle for anything less than that? Like, like, think about this for a minute. If you're an 8 out of 10, but if a 10 were actually possible, why would we settle or choose anything less than 10? Like, no matter where you are on here, if it's possible to come all the way to fully alive, why would we settle? Why would we choose anything less? When, when you think about life, though, there are some truths about this number line, and there's some things that we should probably acknowledge before we get too far into this. Um, the, the first reality when it comes to our life is this that, that, that we either are going to live fully alive, we're either going to live fully alive, or we're going to live partially dead. It's really the only two choices we have. Like we're either going to be a 10 out of 10, or we're going to be something less. And that's really the only two options. It's either one or the other. And that's important. To note. The other thing though that's just as important to note, and maybe this is even maybe more helpful when you begin to think about where you are on the line, is simply this that, that when it comes to our life, we will never live fully alive if part of us is partially dead. You know, when, when I was thinking about, you know, where I am, and I said I'm an eight, you know, there's some good things happening, but there's also some kind of average things happening, and really the average of all the things happening kind of feels like an eight. And I suspect that's how you got to your number as well. You you thought about maybe you're married, or you thought about dating relationships. You thought about if you have children and how that's going. You thought about maybe school with them. Maybe you thought about school for yourself. You thought about work. You thought about your career long term. You thought about your financial situation. I mean, thought about your health. You thought about all the things that are making up your life and. Some are probably better than others, but if there's any one of those things that isn't functioning at a 10 out of 10, you probably didn't feel like you're a 10. And that's just the reality of life, that if there's anything that's not perfect, it's kind of pulling us down and we feel it. In fact, we focus on it a lot. So if that's true, like if, if we really only have two options, fully alive or, or partially dead, and if any area of our life is, is not fully alive, if that makes us partially dead, really the question is this, is, is fully alive even available? Like, is it even possible to live a 10 out of 10 life? Like, is it even possible to live fully alive? No matter what your circumstance, like no matter what your situation, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what the people around you are struggling with, is it even possible? For, for those of you who are you know, optimistic, you, you sure hope so. I mean, maybe you're here today because you knew we were talking about being fully alive and, and, and you're kind of a glass half full kind of person and you would love to believe that it's true. And maybe you've even felt in, in moments before that it's been true for you, or you've seen somebody else and you thought, man, I wish I felt the way that they felt in the middle of what they're feeling. How, how are they feeling so good? The majority of us, though, it isn't that we're pessimistic, but, but we have lived long enough to know that living a fully alive 10 out of 10 life just doesn't come naturally. It's not easy. It doesn't just happen by accident, but life keeps happening to us in the process. It's not that we're pessimistic, but but we've got some really good questions. But here's the one thing I do know. Every single one of us feels this. If it is available, man, we sure would love to live it. And if it was possible to actually get to this part of life, we would do anything that it takes to figure it out. Because if every aspect of our life could be defined by living fully alive, why would we choose anything else? Now, part of the reason I know that we would like to do that is because we've all tried to do that. In fact, there have been a lot of things, you know, we, we, we said that there are some realities of life. There's also some misconceptions about living fully alive. And we've all tried in different ways to work towards a 10 out of 10. And what we've all found is that it worked for a time, it worked for a moment, but really long-term, it, it didn't kind of last There are probably multiple ways we go about this, and there's probably lots and lots and lots of misconceptions. Um, Let let me just kind of present two of them, um, even though there's probably more, but I think these two are really critical too. And here's the first misconception, that we associate fully alive moments with a fully alive life. Now think about this for a minute. When, when, When we have a great moment and it makes us feel like we're living fully alive, it makes us feel like we're a 10 out of 10, we feel that life is a 10 out of 10. Well, let me give you an example. Maybe you're like an adrenaline junkie. Like you love doing dangerous things that could literally make you fully dead, but you don't care because you love rock climbing. You love jumping out of airplanes, skydiving. I mean, whatever it may be, you're driving race cars. But when you think about that moment, like you get to the top of the mountain and you feel so good, don't you? Like you feel so fully alive. And if anybody said, hey, on a scale of one to 10 right now, uh, where would you place yourself? You'd be like, oh my gosh, 10. I'm a 12 out of 10. I'm on top of the mountain. I feel amazing here. And and here's the reality you do. But the problem is, is that you're going to come down off the mountain. I mean, figuratively and literally, right? And then you stop feeling as good. And then you get in your car and there's some guy in front of you driving 30 in a 45. That's frustrating. And and then you get home and a kid left their bike in the driveway and you can't pull in. And then you walked in, took your shoes off and stepped on a Lego, right? You're bound here. And the moment was really good, right? The moment was great. And for a, for a moment, you felt fully alive, but it, it just didn't last. Like, like me, for me, I don't really love doing dangerous things, but I really do like eating. And so like for me, fully alive is a giant bowl of queso. I love it. And, um, and for a while, I feel great. You know, and then an hour later, not so good. But in the moment, in the moment, it just feels fully alive. I don't know what for you it is, but, but you understand, right? These moments can make us feel so good. But the moment is just a moment. And here's what the moment does. The moment tricks us into believing that if we can accumulate enough of those moments, our life will be fully alive. If we can accumulate enough moments, we'll begin to feel 10 out of 10 all the time. But does that work? Of course not. But, but doesn't that explain so much about our life? I mean, doesn't that explain almost everything about addiction? We're chasing something. We're, we're trying to accumulate moments. Or maybe we're trying to run away from something by substituting in other moments. That's how addictions always begin. Doesn't this explain a lot about first and second marriages and maybe third and fourth marriages? chasing moments that used to be there, but now they seem like they're gone. You're not sure how to recapture that fire. Oh, I know, let's just, let's just try again. And it works for a moment. And then pretty soon you're back to a two out of 10. And th- th- this explains why we, we buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like, because we're chasing moments. We could do a whole message on this, but... Isn't this why spiritually we struggle with God sometimes? Because we had a moment. There was a moment. Do you remember the moment? And and you you may not remember the exact moment, but you remember that time, that season where you just felt like so full of God and you felt so connected to God, and, and then you didn't later. And maybe you came back to church the next week and the music was still good, but Just didn't do the same thing in you, like you weren't as moved, you heard a a story, and I mean, you appreciated it, but I don't know, it just didn't feel the same, and you began to think, oh man, maybe this isn't real, or maybe there's something wrong with me. You know what, you actually fell prey to, you fell prey to thinking that it's about moments, but life isn't about moments, it's about life. In fact, that's really the the, the reality. See, the the truth to this is that accumulating these fully alive moments really doesn't translate into a life that's fully alive. It it never can, but it sure hasn't stopped us from trying. Let me give you one more. We'll go a little faster through this one. Here's the other misconception, is that living a full life actually leads to living fully alive. I mean, think about how busy we are today. I mean, this is the busiest our culture has ever been. And, and I don't think that busyness is making us feel more alive. In fact, I think the busyness is literally killing us. I mean, we are so busy right now. And, and I think there's a part of us that believes that we fill our calendar up with enough stuff. Eventually those things will add up to being a 10 out of 10, but but actually it works directly against that. In fact, the, the truth is that, that living a full life can work against living life to the full. So think about it. If, if it's not about accumulating great moments and if it's not about having a lot of stuff going on, I mean, is living fully alive even available? What's so fascinating about scripture is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus addresses this exact thing. Like 2,000 years ago, Jesus is sitting in a group of of, of people. Some friends are there. His his disciples are there. Uh, We're going to look at what John wrote. John is one of those disciples, which is so cool because everything we read in the book of John is a firsthand account of exactly what he experienced with Jesus. And John in chapter 10 kind of captures a narrative that Jesus told that addresses this. How do you live fully alive? If you back up one chapter, you see that that Jesus is sitting around with his disciples and a lot of other crowded people, and then the Pharisees are there. The Pharisees are the really, really good religious people, so they think, who really don't like Jesus. And the reason is because Jesus is coming along saying, everything's changing. It's not just about following the law. It's about relationship with God. And, And the Pharisees are like, no, 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 that can't be true. For one, it can't be true because I don't really think it's true. Two, even more so, it can't be true because if it's true, it changes everything for me. And as a Pharisee, I like my life right now. I like the way things are going. I like being better than you. And if it all changes, that will cease to be true. So therefore, we're gonna ignore Jesus. Eventually, we're gonna arrest and crucify Jesus because of this. Now, spoiler alert, three days later, he came back to life, but they didn't know that was gonna happen. So they are doing everything they can to get rid of this Jesus guy. The Pharisees are not getting along with him. Well, Jesus knows that. And so they're constantly trying to trap him. And Jesus, every time, is like entrapping them right back. I mean, he's brilliant. I mean, granted, he's God, but still, it's pretty incredible. So so this moment is happening again. And the Pharisees are wanting to trap Jesus. And instead, Jesus begins to tell them a story which he always did, and it frustrated them so much, but it's so fun to watch it happen. Now, in this story, he's not just trying to prove a point to the Pharisees. He's actually gonna talk about this, and it's not just meant for them. It's actually meant for all of us, but it comes through a story. And it's a parable about a shepherd and his sheep and where they spend the night. Now, if you're a shepherd, you're going to really appreciate this. If you're not, I'll explain it because it will not make a lot of sense in the beginning. Okay, sound good? All right, John chapter 10. Here's how Jesus kind of starts this story. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. He continues, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, any questions? Make sense? Okay, perfect. So let me tell you what's going on. Um, When you were a shepherd 2,000 years ago, and maybe this is true today. um, I don't see a lot of them hanging out, but I don't know. So if you're a shepherd 2,000 years ago, you're responsible for this flock of sheep. And the way that you would protect them in the day is to keep them in green pastures in the daylight so that you can watch for thieves and robbers or maybe wolves or anything like that, any you know, predators. And then at night, before dusk, you would lead them back into the sheep's pen. The sheep's pen was this kind of gated or walled, uh, kind of, kind of you know, like a fenced-in area. And it had a gate, one gate. And the gate would open. You would lead your sheep in. The gate would shut, therefore protecting them. So as a sheep, it was a pretty good thing to be in the sheep's pen. And you know that if you go out through the gate following the shepherd and come back in through the gate following your shepherd, that everything's probably working out the way you want it to work out. I mean, it's about as good as it can get. Now, Jesus says if if anyone jumps over the wall and maybe steals a sheep or sneaks in and brings one out without going through the gate because only the shepherds could go through the gate, then that person is robbing and, and thieving. It's leading to something less than fully alive. Now, here's how he kind of continues the story. He says, oh, I'm sorry, um, this is important too. You, the, the gate part is easy to miss, okay? But the gate, and I kind of described this, but the gate is the only legitimate way to come in or out of the sheep's pen. Now, again, I mean, who cares right now? But in a minute, that's gonna be really important in this parable. Okay, Here, here's what he says next. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he, has, when he has brought out all of his own, his own sheep, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is so cool. So sheep, sheep are actually not the smartest tools in the shed, okay? Sheep are kind of dumb and, and sheep, sheep aren't really wrangled sheep actually just follow the voice of the shepherd in a way thoughtlessly. When they hear their shepherd's voice, they follow. So in the morning, the shepherd would wake up. He would call his sheep by name. They would all hear their name, hear his voice, and they would follow him. In fact, shepherds lead sheep because they just follow behind. Now at night, the same would happen. The, the shepherd would call, their, call them by name. He would lead them back into the sheep's pen. Now, this is really important. If you're a sheep, living a fully alive life, a 10 out of 10 life for you is pretty basic. Don't get eaten by a wolf. Don't get stolen by a thief. Pretty much it, okay? And that's the shepherd's job. So the shepherd would lead sheep to experience life to the full every day. He'd lead them out to green pastures where they would eat grass. He would lead them back into the sheep's pen where they would spend the night. All is well and good going in and out through that gate of the sheep's pen. And that's about as good as it got for a sheep. Now, at this point in the story, the Pharisees and all the people sitting around, including John, are looking at Jesus. I think, I mean, we don't know, but I suspect they're looking at him the exact same way that I used to look at my eighth grade algebra teacher, just completely confused and befuddled. And so he looks at their faces and he can tell that they don't really understand what's going on. So he pauses in this moment and he begins to explain the story. Now, as you probably know, every time Jesus tells a story, he puts God in the story and he puts us people in the story. And In this story, it's no different. Maybe you figure that out. God is the good shepherd in this story. And unfortunately we're the sheep, which is kind of annoying, but it's also true because we're pretty dumb at times. And so God's the good shepherd and, and, and we're the sheep, but then God does this. I mean, Jesus does this really weird thing in the story and he doesn't really do this often, but he actually inserts himself into the narrative. He's not just a narrator. He's actually in the story. And where he places himself in the story is incredibly offensive to the Pharisees. But it is an unbelievable opportunity for everybody else. Here's how Jesus kind of continues the explanation. He says, I am the gate. And remember, the gate is the only legitimate way to experience life to the full. That was his point about the sheep. He's making the same point about us. He says, I am the gate. Check this out. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Saved from what? Well, I mean, saved from like big eternity stuff, sure. But also saved from this. Whoever enters through me will be saved from living partially dead Anybody who uh, walks through me, who lives with me in mind, who lives through me, will be saved from anything other than a 10 out of 10. That's his point. That, 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 that anybody who lives through me will experience heaven, not just in heaven, but will experience heaven on earth, right here, right now, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what, no matter what the situation. Whoever is in, who enters through me will be saved. And he continues, they will come in. Remember about the sheep in the gate, right? They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture, which means they will find fully alive. They will find everything they need for life to be as good as it could possibly get. Then he concludes or summarizes the story with a verse that maybe you've heard before. He says this, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know what he wants to destroy? He wants to destroy that. He wants you to live somewhere down here. That's what he's saying. He said, the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they, meaning you, me, every one of us, may have life, but not just have it, have life to, and there's our word, have it to the full. He says that I have come so that everyone may experience life fully alive. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what's happening, no matter what area of our life doesn't seem great, I have come as the gate so that people can have life, life to the full. See, what's so fascinating about this is that Jesus is basically suggesting that fully alive is fully available. And that a fully alive life is fully experiencing the goodness of God. Because you know what, the goodness of God is actually as good as it gets. The goodness of God is as good as it will ever get on this earth. And the reason we know that is because the Apostle Paul, when he was writing a letter to uh, some friends in Galatia, he actually described what the goodness of God is. And I'm telling you, it is as good as it gets. Let me, let me show you what he describes as the goodness of God. And let's just think if we can think of anything better than what this would look like in our life. He called it the fruit of the Spirit. He says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. I mean, doesn't that sound like a pretty good life? (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a 10 out of 10? I mean, just play along for a minute. Just pick your favorite one out for a minute. Just pick one of them out. Like, what if you just inserted peace into your life right now? What would happen to your number line? Like, if you just had peace, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, what would happen? I bet you'd have said you're a 10 just with peace. Or what if you just had self-control? What if you just had gentleness? What what if you just had patience? Like what would happen in your life if you just had one of those things inserted into the middle of your life? And here's what Paul's saying. The apostle Paul says, no, no, no. I don't want you to just have one of these. I want you to have all of these. God wants you to have all of these all the time, no matter what's happening. That's the goodness of God. And I'm I'm just telling you, it's as good as it gets. This is the stuff that combats every situation in life. No matter what's happening, it's not circumstantial. No matter what's happening, this leads to a life that is 100%, 10 out of 10, fully alive. And that was Jesus's point. What he was suggesting is that he's actually the gate to all of God's goodness, That that Jesus is the legitimate gate. He's the only way to experience all of God's goodness. And I think we would argue that's probably true. Or at least we would argue that it could be true. And here's how I know in my life at least. Because I've tried to experience all of that goodness in other ways. And I've tried to pursue that goodness in other ways. And guess what? It, It just doesn't work. But every time I decide that Jesus is the only legitimate way to get there, guess what happens? I begin to actually experience the goodness of God. And the situations don't change, but, but the way I navigate them always changes. And, and, and the, the difficulties of life don't really go away, but, but my ability to live them in a way that still feels fully alive completely changes. You know, when we first started talking about this, you, you kind of came up with your own number, right? And I told you that if, if you were anything less than 10, there is a way to get to 10. And if you are a 10, or if you feel like you are, there's a way to stay there too. The answer is actually in Jesus. He is the foundational gate that leads to every everything good. And outside of that gate, we can try to go other ways. And that was his point in the story. Like outside of the gate, we can try to jump over the wall, We can try to figure it out on our own. We can try to buy our way into the goodness. We can try to you know, uh, just just all chase our way into a fully alive life. But ultimately all of those things lead to something less than 10 because they all fall apart in time. Let me ask you a question. What if he's right? Like what if in that one area of your life that's holding you back, what if Jesus really is the gate to all of God's goodness in that area. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe, maybe there's just a financial strain and everything else seems okay, but man, you're a four out of 10 financially. And it's not even your fault. Like it isn't because you've spent your way. You didn't go buy four boats and go into debt. I mean, it's just a situation. And it's just working against you. But, but, but what if there's a way to find a 10 out of 10 financially? And it doesn't involve winning a lottery. It doesn't even involve getting a raise. What if it just involves seeing things through the lens of Jesus as a gate to God's goodness? Well, maybe it's a job thing. And maybe like you're like, if I could just have a better boss, I'd be a 10 out of 10 at work. But you know that isn't true because every boss is a little bit of a jerk because they're just like you. They're people. But, but, but what, if, what if Jesus is the gate in your workplace? And what if you began to see Jesus as your boss, as if you're working for him, not for man? How would that change? See, he's the gate. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's a marriage thing, and it's just not going well. And you know some of it's your fault, and you know some of it's the other person's fault, and you can't change that other person, but you don't want to even change what you're doing because you're so frustrated, and you can't even remember what you're mad about. But what if Jesus is the gate to living a fully alive life relationally? (laughs) <laughs> what if loving someone else the way Jesus has loved you is actually the answer? Jesus is the gate to all of God's goodness. Now in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how to make sure that stays there and, and how to continue to pursue it in the right way. But this is just foundational. Like if we can't figure out how to allow Jesus to be the only legitimate path to a fully alive life, we're never gonna get there. But we're not gonna stop chasing it because we all want it. In fact, God actually put it in your heart to want it. Do you know why? (laughs) Because he wants you to pursue him, that's why. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, I'm gonna pray in just a second. And then afterwards, um, at all of our campuses, we're we're just gonna sing a song together. And the good news is that this is a song you might not know, and I'm kind of glad you don't know it. Because when we sing songs, we know it's easy to just to say the words and move right past them without pausing enough to think. But today, today I just want you to sit in this song and I just want you to think about what the words are saying. And as you listen, here's the real challenge. As you listen, I'd love for you to think about where you are here and what's holding you back from here. And I would love for you to consider what it looks like for you to tangibly allow Jesus to be the gate that moves you to fully alive. So we, we started this whole thing with the question, is, is fully alive, fully available? And I think that's a great question, but I think there's an actually a, an even better question that we should ask. The better question is this, and in whom is fully alive, fully available? In whom? Is it in you? If it is, bad news, we're never gonna get there. But if it's in Jesus, then we position ourselves to experience all of God's goodness and that that's worth pursuing so before we sing together I just would love to spend a minute and pray with you guys heavenly father thank you that you have allowed us the opportunity to have a right-standing relationship with you not because of our behavior and not because of how good we've been or not because of the promises that we're making but but because of your great love and grace and mercy and just because of our faith. So God, I just pray as we think about where we are right now in our life, wondering if fully alive is even possible for us, thinking about our past, thinking about our current situation and the circumstances we're in. God, I pray that you will reveal the truth into our hearts and that we will understand that you have made fully alive, fully available to every single person on this planet through faith in you and through allowing your son to literally be the gate that we walk through to find the green pastures of a fully alive life. So God, I just pray for wherever we are and however that lands in our heart that you will do what you need to do to help us to understand what it looks like, to live and see life in a different way, God. And give us the the wisdom, but even more than that, give us the courage to lean in your direction. And to begin to walk through that one narrow gate that leads to every single thing we've always wanted. God, we love you. And Jesus, thank you for giving us that opportunity. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.